on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to preach on a fundamental doctrine of the church, one that the Lord mandates that I emphasize and stress because the people of the Lord need this message as much as any other. I'm speaking today on the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 7 and verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. But the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. After you accept Jesus Christ, after you have turned away from a life of sin and unrighteousness, God hath in store for you one of the most blessed experiences known to men. That experience is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, our Holy Ghost. They both refer to the same person and mean the same thing. If you are saved, if you've been born again, the Holy Ghost has already played a very vital part in your life. For it was the Holy Ghost that bore witness to the truth of the gospel when you really heard it. You'd probably heard the gospel many times before you accepted it. But on this particular day, you heard it with power and with conviction and an overwhelming, compelling force to accept it. That was the work of the Holy Ghost. For it was the Holy Ghost that brought conviction upon you. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed to you your guilt before God and your need for salvation. You were justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bore our sins to the cross, and God imputes to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us the right and the authority to become sons and daughters of God. But it was the Holy Spirit that regenerates us and that imparts new life to the believer. Jesus said in John 6 and 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The Holy Spirit imparts the nature and the, and the life of Jesus Christ to the believer. And the Holy Spirit sets the believer free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit enables the believer to fulfill the righteousness of God. And the Holy Spirit confirms within us the completed work of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 2 that the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And verse 4 says that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And then in verse 18 of that same chapter, Paul says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so it is the Holy Ghost that confirms within us the completed work of salvation. When you really get saved, 
You don't need anyone to tell you that you are saved. In your heart, the Holy Ghost confirms to you that the work is done. All your sins are forgiven. And you have the right standing before God. And so, if you're saved, the Holy Ghost has already played a vital role in your spiritual experience. But to know the working of the Spirit only in salvation is to know the Holy Spirit only in a measure. One great man has said, a man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. For in regeneration, there's an impartation of life, and the one who receives it is saved. But in baptism, or in the Holy Ghost, there's an impartation of power, and the one who receives it is fitted for service. And so Jesus said in John 14 and 16, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And so the disciples knew the Holy Spirit, but they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them and even in them in a measure, but not in the fullness. So the Spirit has been received down through the centuries in varying measures and portions. When Jesus stepped on the scene, God threw away the measuring cup and the measuring spoon, and without measure, he poured the Spirit into man, Jesus Christ, so that Jesus could say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was able to do this because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. In Luke 4 and 1, the Bible says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. And Luke 4, 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Throughout the Bible, responsibility for the great works of great men of God have been attributed to the power of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus knew that his followers down through history would need the power of the Holy Ghost to do the work that was theirs. If we're to win men to Jesus Christ, it's going to only be by the power of the Holy Ghost. We cannot fight this fight alone. We cannot perform this ordeal on our own. Our wisdom, our power, our physical strength are really not enough. It's going to take the power of Almighty God. And the prophet Joel had already promised that the day would come when the Holy Ghost would be poured out rather than given in portions and measures. For Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. 
and upon my men servants and maid servants will I pour out of my spirit in those days. And then Jesus picks up the theme that Joel established. And Jesus says in John 7, 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. In this text verse, Jesus says, if you are thirsty, if you have a spiritual craving, if you have a passion for the fullness of the Spirit, if you feel that something is missing in your life, if you're tired of form and formality, if you're tired of just going through the motions, if you're tired of just reading about Jesus and hearing about God and hearing other folk testify, if you're tired of coming to church empty and leaving church empty, if you're tired of not knowing God for yourself, if you're thirsty, Jesus said, come to me and drink. That is wholeheartedly surrender your life to Jesus. Come to me. There are so many folk who want all the benefits of salvation, but they really don't want to deal with Jesus. They want salvation, but they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, if you are thirsty, come unto me and drink. That is wholeheartedly receive the fullness of the Spirit into your life. And so Jesus said, come to me and drink. He who believes on me, as the scripture has said, not the way you want to believe in him. A whole lot of people have their own personal conviction about Jesus. I believe he was a good philosopher, they say. I believe he was a good man. I believe he was a good example. But Jesus said, on me, as the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That means the Holy Ghost will be in you. It will flow out of you. It will be all around you like a river. And that sounds like a baptism and submission in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need so bad today. We need so much power flowing out of us that that power will be a river of life to those who are around us. Because in this day and time, you need not only enough power for yourself, you need some power for your family, some power for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for the folk who live in your household. It needs to flow over you and out of you like a river. But then verse 9 informs us, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And that means when Jesus was glorified, when he ascended back to the right hand of the Father in heaven, when Jesus was caught up, the Holy Ghost was given into the earth once and for all. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet 
glorified. But when Jesus was glorified, the Holy Ghost was given once and for all. You don't have to wait on the Holy Ghost to make a trip all the way from heaven to earth. The Holy Spirit is already here. And all you've got to do now is just receive it by faith. You don't have to wait on it. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to wait on it to make a trip from heaven down to the earth. The Holy Ghost is here, and you can receive it right now. Let me take a moment to point out that the Holy Ghost, or the baptism in the Holy Ghost, is not the same thing as being born again. There are some folk who, when they get born again, think that they've got everything that God has for them. They believe that they are born again. They automatically receive the Holy Ghost. But that is not so. For there are scriptures that we will read together to help us understand the truth of this fact. Go to Acts chapter 8, verse 5. In Acts chapter 8, verse 5, the Bible says, When Philip went down to the city of Samaria, he preached Christ to them. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Christ, both men and women were baptized. So the gospel was preached. The gospel was believed to the degree that they were willing to go and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus in water. Philip did not baptize unbelievers. He baptized believers. The Ethiopian eunuch, a few verses before, had said to Philip, I've heard what you preached. I love it. Here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And the implication was that if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. Now, all that is needed for salvation is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So they were saved, but they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. For the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of the Lord, he sent Peter and John to them. And when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They had believed the word. They were saved. They were baptized in water. But they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. For the Bible says, For when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And so the order, the sequence is hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, being baptized in water, and then receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But also in the book of Acts, chapter 19, the order and the sequence was the same. Paul was on a missionary journey visit to Ephesus, and he found some disciples there who he observed and noticed 
that something was missing in their worship. Their worship was cold. Their worship was dead. Their worship was dry. There was no anointing. There was no power in their worship. But Paul, as he observed them, said, something is wrong here. These folk must not have the Holy Ghost. And wherever you find a church cold, dead, dry, and power, no anointing in the ministry and power of the Holy Ghost. And so Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Other versions say, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believe? They answered Paul. They said, we don't even know anything about the Holy Ghost. We're not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. And then Paul said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. They were not even saved. They were not even Christians. They did not even know about Jesus. But when Paul preached about Jesus in verse 4, he said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, when they believed, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They repented. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. They were baptized in water. And so they were saved. But verse 6 says, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost and being born again. Paul preached the gospel to them. He baptized them in water. And then he laid hands on them. And only then did the Holy Ghost come upon them and fill them so that they spake with tongues and prophesied. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a definite experience that you can know you've received. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Ephesus, chapter 19, they spake with tongues and prophesied. In Caesarea, Acts 10, 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then in Acts 2 and 4, the disciples were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so the baptism of the Holy Ghost is an experience that you can know you have received because the Lord has given us a sign of the Spirit's indwelling. In the New Testament church, tongues were a sign of the fullness of the Spirit's reception. And we believe that when the Holy Ghost is received, as it was received on the day of Pentecost, that reception will be accompanied by speaking with other tongues. It would be a different matter if God was not doing that anymore. It would be a different matter if God was no longer enabling people to speak in the language of the Spirit. But I've got a few witnesses in here who will testify that God is still doing the same thing. God is still enabling people to speak in the language of the Spirit. And what God does is good. And if speaking in tongues was good then, 
then there's no reason to assume that it's not good right now because what God does is good. There are some folk who in their dignity and sophistication, in their class, they're saying, no, no, that's too undignified. I don't want that. But class dismiss. Whenever God offers me, I want it. And if God served it up, it's because I needed it. And how many of you know that we need the power of the Holy Ghost? Have you ever picked up a phone and had a fax or a computer at the other end? And when you tried to listen at what was going on, all you heard was unintelligible beeps and pings and gurgles. Only a computer or a fax can communicate with another computer or fax. But when the believer speaks in other tongues, the devil cannot pick it up. He tries to listen, but he can't understand what the believer is saying to his God. It's unintelligible to him. When I get in trouble, I can call on my God. I can talk to my God. And the devil can't get in on the conversation. This is why Jude said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When the believer starts praying in the Holy Ghost and starts speaking in tongues, the devil is out of the conversation and the power of God. Listen, when you pray until you pray through, God takes you to another level and you pray in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost convicts. The Holy Ghost converts. The Holy Ghost refreshes the memory. The Holy Ghost gives believer power, and he gives the believer the ability to do the things that God would command. In Acts 1 and 8, we read the words, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. And so you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost because you need the power of the Lord. Our enemies are giving their lives for what they believe in. And if we're to stand against them, we're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to need the might of God that we might stand for God and overcome the wiles and the tricks of the enemy. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the power of God. You need the anointing of God. You need the strength of God. And Jesus said, I command you. This is not an optional matter. This is my command. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem. Tarry there. Don't start revivals and start churches. Go to the upper room. And after that, you can start the revival and start the church. Wait until the Holy Ghost comes, for you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And child of God, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of business as usual. Somebody in this room, you're hungry for the more of God. You're tired of going through the motions. You're tired of coming in empty and leaving out still empty. You heard about the power of God. And you've heard others 
talk about the experience of God. And you're saying to God, as the heart panted after the water broke, so pants my soul for thee. I'm thirsty for God, the power of God. I'm hungry for the move of God. I need God in my heart. I need him in my life. I need his power. Child of God, it is possible to have the living presence of God in your life. It's possible to have God to walk with you and to talk with you and to tell you that you are his own. It's possible to have the might of God. It's possible to experience God, not just hear about him, not just read about him, but you can have him as a living reality down in your heart through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want the baptism of the Spirit, I want to give you four things that you need to know. Number one, you need to know that Jesus is the baptizer. It's important that you know that Jesus is the baptizer because Jesus is also the Savior. And salvation is the greatest gift of all. And Jesus gave them salvation just for the believing. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. For believing, you were saved. For believing, salvation was given to you. And salvation is the greater gift. And if he gave you the greater gift just for believing, he's not going to play hard to get when you come to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to labor for it. You don't have to spend your time tarrying for it. Jesus will give you the salvation. He will give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For he said, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so Jesus has departed. And Jesus is the baptizer. And he wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus is the baptizer. The second thing you need to know is that the promise of the Holy Ghost is a definite promise that is for you. Simon Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. Jesus said, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. God has promised you the Holy Ghost. God has promised to baptize you with power. And it's time for us to go to God and say, God, you promised it. I'm waiting on it. I'm stepping out on your promise. You promised me the Holy Ghost. And now I praise you for the promise. I thank you for the promise. Children of God, if I call you up and tell you I'm depositing by electronic deposit $50,000 into your bank account, if I make that promise, you ought to get glad when I promise it. Because if I'm a man of my word, you've got $50,000 more in the bank than you had before. And if Jesus said, 
I send the promise of my Father upon you. You ought to get glad then. You ought to praise God then because God is as good as his promise. Oh, yes, if he promised it, you can bank it. I wish somebody was as glad as I am. I'm glad because I've got the promise of God. So the Holy Ghost is promised to you, and you can praise God for that. The third thing you need to know is that the Holy Ghost is here right now. I said the Holy Ghost is here right now. You don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come down from heaven. The Holy Ghost is in the very room where you're sitting. The Holy Ghost is everywhere you go. You cannot expect the presence of the Holy Ghost as close as the clothes that you wear, as near as the air you believe. The Holy Ghost is here. And if the Holy Ghost is here, all I have to do is receive it. And that's what number four is. All you have to do is receive the Holy Ghost by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. You receive the Holy Ghost by faith, not by clapping your hands, not by running up and down the aisle, not by paying a dollar or a dime, not by any kind of sacrifice. You receive it by faith. Faith lives in a world that cannot be seen with the natural eye. Faith believes the promise of God, and faith does not wait until the promise is fulfilled. Faith acts on God's promise. It acts on God's word. And if God's word says it, faith believes it, and faith begins to rejoice in the promise of God. You receive the Spirit in the midst of your rejoicing. You receive the Spirit in the midst of your faith. You receive the Spirit in the midst of your praise. For praise builds a house for God to live in. And when you praise him, God sends out miracles and he sends out wonders into the lives of his people. When you praise God, the Spirit of God shows up. And when God shows up, that's your signal that you've got a right to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. When the Spirit shows up, you can speak in the language of the Spirit, a language that you've not learned, that you've not been taught. For the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake, they spoke, not the Spirit spoke, they spoke. They spake in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Holy Ghost shows up and you sense the presence of God, that's your signal that you've got a right to speak in the language of the Spirit. You've got a right to speak in other tongues. I've got a right to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so somebody in this room is tired, tired of going through the motions. You're tired, tired of going in and out of the church building, but never into the spirit of Almighty God. You are there. Jesus is the baptizer. The promise is definite. You receive it by faith. And when you receive something by faith, you begin to praise God for it as if you have it already. Praise God for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the power of Almighty God. Thank God that when they were on one accord, the power of God filled the room where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill us again. Fill us with your might. Fill us with your anointing. We praise you. We bless you. 
and we glorify you that we have received it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, dear God, for your baptism and for the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Amen. 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 Fill me now. Fill me now. Jesus, come and fill me now. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. Come, oh, come and fill me now. Fill me now. Worship the Lord with me. Let's praise his name and let's receive his power and his anointing. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost is here. The promise is definite. You can receive it now, and you receive it by faith. Dear Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your power. Let the Holy Ghost fall on us. In the name of Jesus, everybody in the room just began to praise him. Just began to thank God for his goodness and thank God for his grace. Thank you, dear Lord, that you are the baptizer. Thank you, dear Lord, the promise is definite. Thank you, dear Lord, the Holy Ghost is here right now, and we receive it by faith. Lift your hands and praise the Lord. Let's bless the Lord in the name of Jesus. We receive it. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, the power of God is present. Power to heal, power to deliver, power to set free. In the auditorium or within the room, you may be longing for the presence of the Holy Spirit. You may be longing for a miracle of healing or a miracle of deliverance. The miracle is yours, my brother. It is yours, my sister. Praise God for it. Worship the Lord in the name of Jesus. Praise him. Bless your name. Bless your name, dear God. Worship him. Worship him. In the name of Jesus, thank God. Amen and amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord.